If you like this podcast, you're going to really like McClanahan Academy. Head over to McClanahanAcademy.com. That's McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll. It's free of charge. You get a free class, 10 Myths of American History. When you do enroll, I've got nearly 20 classes there available for purchase. Go to McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll today and get a real history education. The Brian McClanahan Show, episode 629. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to the Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to the Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my YouTube page. Check out McClanahanAcademy.com. It's a great way to support the show. Buy one or 20 classes there. It's my educational resource for you. You heard about that at the beginning of the program. Also, go to brianmcclanahan.com. Give me an email address. I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, free audiobook of the same title read by yours truly. You get on my email list and you get great deals at McClanahan Academy. You also get updates for everything I'm doing. So it's my way to keep in contact with you. Also, click on the support tab at brianmcclanahan.com. You can throw a few pennies my way. Click on the shop tab at brianmcclanahan.com. Get my logo and all kinds of cool stuff. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Let people know you're thinking locally and acting lo- locally, and share this podcast around on social media. It's a great way to let people know you like it, and also send me those show requests. I do like to hear what you want to hear. I may not respond back to you, but I do read them. So, let's talk about the topic of the day, and it is something that's been all over the news, and that, of course, is Elon Musk's purchase of Twitter. Now, I'm not going to focus on that and what it's going to mean Uh, But I do want to talk about the impact this is having on the left and give you some historical reference for this. That's more importantly what I want to focus on today. So just a cursory examination of what people are saying about this purchase. The New York Times, since April 25th, and I'm recording this in early May, the New York Times since April 25th has had 13 editorials about Elon Musk's purchase of Twitter. 13 in about a week, two a day. That doesn't include the Washington Post, the Atlantic, or any other leftist organ that uh, is very upset about this. Of course, you've seen the, if you watch television news, you know MSNBC, CNN, all of the leftists are very concerned about Elon Musk purchasing Twitter. And the question comes down, why? Why are they so concerned? In fact, the U.S. government is concerned about Elon Musk's purchase of Twitter. They set up a new uh, arm of the Department of Homeland Security. The idea is to combat disinformation. The disinformation czar, or whatever the heck they're calling it. But now we have a government bureaucracy set up to fight disinformation. And of course, everybody is referring to 1984 in this, that this is somehow Orwellian. The government is setting up a committee of public information We've had this before, though. This is why I'm going to give you this historical reference. I mean, you go look at the New York Times and and the very first op-ed that came out about this is Twitter under Elon Musk will be a scary place. This is April 25th, 2022. And then, of course, I could list countless editorials, news articles about this particular situation. The left is very afraid. And why are they very afraid? Well, it goes back to their monopoly on media. And the government is very afraid. Why is the government very afraid? Well, they're worried that the left's monopoly on media will not allow them to keep winning elections. You see, media and the government go hand in hand. And where have we seen this before? Of course, John C. Calhoun talked about it in the Disquisition on Government. 
Now, heads up, I'm going to promote something here. Uh, in about two weeks, you're going to see a new class at McClanahan Academy. I just had a new one come out in April, but you're going to see a new class at McClanahan Academy, and it's going to be John C. Calhoun. And we're going to go through the disquisition. I go through it line by line, and also a number of his other uh, important public documents too. So it's going to be a really good class, and you're, this, you're, you're going to get this. We're going to talk about what Calhoun said about this. You see, the media is supposed to be the safeguard uh, for democracy, right? You think the Washington Post, democracy dies in darkness. So the media is going to shine light on the corruption in government. The problem is they don't ever do this. They become just as much of an instrument for the government and just as much an instrument for the factions in American politics as the factions themselves, because you're always going to have a clamoring for power in majoritarian democracy. And that's what we have in America. We have a majoritarian democracy. And this is the real structural defect of the United States government. It wasn't designed this way. We know that the United States Constitution was not designed to be a direct democracy or some type of majoritarian democracy. There were going to be checks on all of that. But because of the growth of factions and because of the spoils, because of the amount of power in D.C. and centralization, which is the enemy of good government, because of centralization, we've had a, a, a situation where you're always going to have the factions clamoring to control the spoils, the patronage, these kind of things. And so the media is going to be a, a major player in that. And the media, of course, is getting a lot of money now. There's, there is... Um, an effort by the U.S. government to prop up struggling media companies, particularly local newspapers and other things, by handing out billions of dollars in loans or grants to try to get these companies to be solvent. The issue, of course, is that uh, the, the money is unconstitutional, but what have you done? You've just combined the media and the government. Well, this is by design. And so all of the hand-wringing about Elon Musk purchasing Twitter shows you what America is really about. It's about censorship, and it's about control and power. And I said that I'm going to give you some historical examples. In fact, we're living in 1798 right now. Right now, we're in 1798. People don't realize it. You could also make a case that we're in the early stages of World War I when the government created a committee of, of public information, again, and the idea was to put out the correct interpretation of World War I. The idea was to control the media and control the press and what people got about World War I. It created propaganda and other things. Visual arts, uh, auditory, you know, songs. It was, it was a complete brainwashing effort by the United States government. And we're, seeing, we're going to see that again. But it's more likely that we're in 1798, and the response is going to be interesting. In 1798, if you don't know, the general government passed what are known as the Alien and Sedition Acts. And the most egregious of these laws was the Sedition Acts. And I'm going to go through those today. I'm going to read a little bit of it, and we're going to talk about it. Because those sedition laws are exactly what the Committee of Public Information is designed to do. And also, by, by default... We're looking at the January 6th situation. You see, the Democrats are living in fear. The left is living in fear of the American public because they know that they don't really have a majority. Now, they might have a numerical majority, but they don't have a real majority because uh, they don't have the public opinion on their side. They're able to, to uh, 
har- ballot harvests and other things and potentially win elections that way. But public opinion is not in favor of what the left is selling. And so in order to win, they got to control everything. And if they can somehow make the January 6th event as an insurrection, well, they can maybe get rid of some of the people on the other side. You see, that's the goal. It's about power. You get rid of your opponents, you silence your opponents, and you win elections. It's what the left wants to do. It's what they're bent on doing. And that's what all the clamor over Twitter shows. They had a monopoly on how they could control public information. And once Elon Musk buys Twitter and he's purchased Twitter, the theory is that all these people that they banned, shadow banned, banned outright, made it to where people can't see what you're doing, this was going on all the time. Once they did that, they controlled, they throttled down what opposition would say. And amazingly enough, Musk didn't have to take over yet, and Twitter already started loosening these things up because they know, they know that they were doing wrong. And they know that they were controlling things. And of course, Facebook does the same thing. All of these places do. And the, the major uh, you know, leftists are coming out and saying, well, I'm going to get off of Twitter because, you know, it's a bad place anyways. It's, um, it's hard on women and minorities. And I mean, look, Twitter is an environment for trolls. I mean, this is what it does. If you're on Twitter and you put out any public information, anything that people can consume, there's going to be people that troll your account and try to tell you that you're stupid and wrong and that you're worthless and all these things. It happens to everybody. You just mute them and go on with your life. Uh, I mean, this, this is what any mature person would do. Uh, you don't ban people unless they're outright doing something that's, I mean, completely dangerous to you. You just mute them and say, sayonara, and there's people that comment on my account that I'm sure that I never see because I've muted some people, right? So these are the trolls that you just, you just mute and you don't talk about them anymore. But I want to talk about these Alien Sedition Acts because, again, this gives you some historical perspective. So this is the, this is the uh, Sedition Act. And the act was entitled, An Act for the Punishment of Certain Crimes Against the United States. And it was passed on November 13th, 1797. And then approved July 14th, 1798. The day is, is amusing to me. July 14th, 1798. Why it's amusing? Well... Because that, of course, is Bastille Day. And Bastille Day is the day that led to the French Revolution and eventually the Reign of Terror, which was the main purpose was to silence dissent. And, of course, the Federalists uh, were concerned about some Jacobins running around uh, the United States in 1798. But they're doing the same exact thing the Jacobins were doing in France by this. I mean... They weren't killing anybody, but of course, the entire one of the entire purposes of the French Revolution was to silence any type of dissent, at least the reign of terror, against the the Committee of Safety and against the French government that had been set up. That was, of course, the Rump Parliament. I mean, this was the whole idea: you get rid of the people that oppose you, you slaughter them if necessary. So let me read through this. And again, think about what's happening in America now, and I can almost guarantee you the Democrats would love to pass a piece of legislation like this. Section 1. Be it enacted by the Senate and House of Representatives of the United States of America and Congress assembled that if any persons shall unlawfully combine or conspire together with intent to oppose any measure or measures of the government of the United States which are or shall be directed by proper authority or to impede the operation of any law of the United States, or to intimidate or prevent any person holding a place or office 
in or under the government of the United States, from undertaking, performing, or executing his trust of duty, or if any person or persons with intent as foresaid shall counsel, advise, or attempt to procure any insurrection, riot, unlawful assembly, or combination, whether such conspiracy, threatening, counsel, advice, or attempt shall have been proposed, effect or not, he or they shall be deemed guilty of a high misdemeanor, and on conviction before any court of the United States having jurisdiction thereof, shall be punished by a fine not exceeding $5,000, and by imprisonment during a term not less than six months, nor exceeding five years. And further, at the discretion of the court, may be holden to fines uh, sureties for his good behavior in such term, and for such time as the said court may direct. So, what is the game? What is the aim of this particular section of the sedition law? Well, to make it illegal to oppose any legislation in the United States. And think about that. If you're opposing, they said, if you combine together, any persons shall unlawfully combine or conspire together. Any persons with intent to oppose any measure or measures of the United States government. So, right, this could be mask mandates. This could be uh, government shutdowns. This could be the Committee of Public Information. This could be uh, questioning an election. I mean, this is exactly what they're saying. So if you oppose anything, or if you threaten, give advice, counsel, to, pro to procure any insurrection, riot, or unlawful assembly, or combination, unlawful assembly, what is January 6th? Well, they're calling it an insurrection. They could also call it an unlawful assembly. They could call it a riot. And if you were somehow involved in that in any way, well, then you could be guilty of sedition against the United States government. This is exactly what the left is trying to push on the American public today. Now, I'll talk about the response to this in a minute from the political opposition and what we should be looking to do right now in America. Because the response came from the founding generation. Men that you know, kind of knew the Constitution and knew what was illegal and what wasn't illegal. Knew what was unconstitutional what wasn't constitutional. And this particular law is unconstitutional, particularly Section 2. And be it further enacted, this is Section 2, that if any person shall write, print, utter, utter, or publish, or shall cause or procure to be written, printed, uttered, or published, or shall knowingly and willingly assist or aid in writing, printing, uttering, or publishing any false, scandalous, and malicious writing or writings against the government of the United States or either House of the Congress of the United States or the President of the United States with intent to defame the said government or either House of the said Congress or the said President or to bring them or either of them into contempt or disrepute. So that's now illegal. Uttering something against the government of the United States becomes illegal. It becomes illegal by saying something like, um, we don't agree with your legislation, that now is illegal. It's illegal. If you print it, or if you say, we don't think that the election of 2020 election was, there's, there's inconsistencies, we don't think it was a free election. We don't think that was a legal election. Well, that is now, uh, according to the 1798 sedition law, which of course expired, but regardless, this is exactly what the Democrats are trying to do now. 
And they're doing it through corporations. They're doing it through Twitter. They were doing it through Facebook. They were doing it through uh, internet services like Google and throttling down certain websites and searches and other things. They're trying to do it in a soft way. It's a soft sedition law. There's no law. It's just the government's working in contact and uh, um, in uh, concert. Excuse me. The government's working in concert with the press with the big tech companies to try to throttle down any type of opposition to its preferred legislative priorities. And this is where we're getting the Committee of Public Information now from the, from the general government to stop disinformation. This is just a soft sedition law. It continues. Or to excite against them, or either of them, the hatred of the good people of the United States. So now it's illegal to stir up hatred of, uh, from, uh, of the central authority. It's illegal, according to the 1798 edition law. Now, again, this is sedition law. Now, again, this is not in effect anymore, but this is what the Congress is trying to do in 1797-1798. Or to stir up sedition within the United States, or to excite any unlawful combinations therein, for opposing or resisting any law of the United States, or any act of the President of the United States, done in pursuance of any such law, or in the powers in him vested by the Constitution of the United States, or to resist, oppose, or defeat any such law or act, or to aid, encourage, or abet any hostile designs of any foreign nation against the United States, their people or government, then such person, being thereof convicted before any court of the United States, having jurisdiction thereof, shall be punished by a fine not exceeding $2,000, and by imprisonment not exceeding two years. So if you write anything against the United States government, Anything against the United States government. If you say anything bad about the president, the Congress, or any law, you could be thrown in jail for two years and face a $2,000 fine. That was a lot of money in 1798. Tremendous amount of money. So the idea is to silence a free press, to silence free speech. Now again, we're not doing this through legislation right now. We're doing it through a soft tyranny, through big tech, through certain press organs. And now the government's going to have a disinformation czar to go out and say, that's disinformation, that's disinformation. We're not going to tolerate that. That's disinformation. We know with the Hunter Biden laptop story, big tech silenced that story because it was detrimental to the, to the potential party in power. And of course, they win the election. So this is the real issue with all of this. This is why we're living in 1798. We're not living in 1798 because of legislation. We're living in 1798 because of a soft attempt by big tech to, to throttle down any type of dissent. And this is why Elon Musk is so terrifying to the left. Not because Elon Musk is, I mean, he's a leftist. He's one of them. And he put up a, a meme not long ago, that, you know, he's center left. He's center-left, and the left has gone further and further left. So now he's a, he's a Girondin, right? He's not a, he's not a Jacobin. He's a Girondin. And we have to remember, back in uh, when the Obama administration, Elon Musk was the darling of the left. They loved him. Tesla was the wave of the future. And here's this leftist. He's got his great car company. And, of course, he went out and got lots of government grants. He's making a tremendous amount of money. I talked about Elon Musk on this podcast and how it's crony capitalism that's made all his money. 
I mean, certainly, this is what's happened with Elon Musk. But he was a darling. The Obamas loved him. This was it. Elon Musk was going to be great. And now, of course, because he buys Twitter and he says, you know what, we're going to have an open exchange of ideas. He's also said that he's going to clamp down on both the far left and the far right, that he doesn't want any of that on the media platform. So he's going to encourage centrist discussion. So is it going to be any different? I don't know. The whole thing, though, shows you that leftists played their hand. They know that Twitter and Facebook, which is now Meta and Instagram and Snapchat and all of these web services, all of these social media accounts, Google, all of these things, YouTube, the entire design has been to skew people in one direction or another and to silence real public discourse because they're afraid of real public discourse because what that does is create a climate where, frankly, the Democrats don't win elections. They just don't win elections. And that is uh, a major problem for these people. They can't win elections when uh, they're faced with uh, the prospect of a free and public and open discourse. Now, let me wrap this up on this section three and section four. And be it further enacted and declared that if any person shall be prosecuted under this act for the writing or publishing any libel aforesaid, it shall be lawful for the defendant upon the trial of the cause to give in evidence in his defense the truth of the matter contained in publication charged as a libel. And the jury who shall try the cause shall have a right to determine the law and the fact under the direction of the court and as in other cases. So if you publish something and somebody says that's libel, they have an opportunity to go in court and say here's the truth. It'd be like charging the government with uh, uh, spreading false information. And the government can then say, no, this is the truth. Think about that. It's now the ministry of truth. And be it further enacted that this act shall continue to be enforced until the third day of March, 1801, and no longer. Now, they shut it off. Now, think about that. Why the third day of March, 1801? Why do that? Because this got them through the 1800 election. And they thought, it's very clear by Section 4, they thought this law would ensure that John Adams would be re-elected President of the United States. That was the whole point. So they put a termination on it, and of course, it expired. The Republicans let it expire, and that was it. But the immediate reaction was, of course, nullification. Jefferson and Madison write the very famous Virginia and Kentucky resolutions. Jefferson... I mean, his, his Kentucky resolutions are just fantastic. And I get into those in my Southern Cultural Intellectual History class. But those at McLeanahan Academy, but those uh, resolutions were some of the best things ever written in American history. And you see, that should be the response to any of this stuff. The problem is, of course, that the government's not doing this. The big tech is doing it. And so it becomes much more challenging when you're facing corporations or private entities that are trying to silence speech. This is why people are talking about other startups. You know, there's Gab, there's Truth Social, all these things, whatever it is. There's me, we, whatever it is that people have set up to try to act as an alternate site. But the problem all those sites face is not enough people on them. And um, they're very hard, they're much harder to use. You know, when you look at Facebook and Twitter, these sites have been around a lot longer. And so they've, they've uh, perfected the way that people can use those platforms. Um, and 
that's why these other startups are facing trouble because they're just they're harder to use, not as many people, and so it's not as much of an interactive environment. But don't be bamboozled by what's happening in, in Washington, D.C. and what's happening with big tech. They want a sedition law without actually having a sedition law. And if, I mean, Congress could do this again, but they know it would be politically disastrous. So they've relied on their, on their minions and tech to do this exact thing without actually having to pass any legislation that affect. And that's why they're terrified. That's why the tech industry is terrified. That's why the government now creating this committee of, you know, whatever disinformations are, why they're terrified. Because they're worried about losing their monopoly on power. And they're worried about losing their monopoly on speech. So... That's the big issue, and that's why I wanted to bring up this sedition law of 1798. I'll see you tomorrow on The Brian McClanahan Show. See you then.